0: You're listening to Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein on CBC Radio 1 and Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Today's episode A Secret History of Famous Friends.
1: Before he ever moved to Gotham City, before he grew into the overweight, obsessive sad sack of his later years, the penguin was a poet and a dandy who lived in London. He wrote complex villanelles and threw lavish dinner parties at which he only became more charming the more he drank. He wore a monocle, a top hat, and carried an umbrella. One evening, at one of his dinner parties, after hours spent sipping absinthe, the penguin ran up to the roof of his building, opened up his large black umbrella, and leapt off into the air. As he coasted to the ground, he hollered out lines from Blake, stuff about grabbing life by the fat of its stomach and giving it a twist. He was that crazy. He was that bursting with life. From that night on, he made it his habit to jump off roofs ever higher while clutching an umbrella. After a while, he got pretty good at it, too. He saw that by kicking his legs and twisting his back a certain way, he could actually prolong his flight, coasting all over the place, sometimes only landing after several daring minutes aloft. It came to pass that the Penguin started hearing more and more about a certain nanny named Mary Poppins. She, too, he was told, had been floating around London hanging from an umbrella handle. Everywhere he went, the Penguin kept hearing about her, how it was simply insane that they had not met each other yet. So finally a dinner party was arranged by someone who knew them both, and on the evening of the party, the Penguin walked into the drawing room, saw Mary Poppins on the divan, doffed his top hat, and bowed low, as was his style in those days. He'd planned a few things to say and do when first meeting Mary Poppins. He thought he might lift up his umbrella as though challenging her to a duel. He imagined she would smile and take up her own frilly, perhaps pink umbrella, and then, together, they would dance about the room, leaping over furniture, parrying and thrusting, perhaps even winding things up, breathing heavily nose to nose. Instead, what happened was the penguin became very shy and quiet. As he stood there staring at her, his top hat felt needlessly clumsy, his monocle too small for his face, and the squinting needed to keep it in place was giving him a slight headache. For the first time in his life, the penguin felt ludicrous. I imagine you two must have an infinite amount of things to speak of, said their host, as he sat them together at the dinner table. The penguin nodded uncertainly. After three or four minutes, it became clear that the Penguin and Mary Poppins had absolutely nothing to say to one another that did not deal exclusively with umbrella travel, getting stuck in trees, the shoulder aches, anxiety about tipping over in the wind. Everyone at the table just sat there staring at them expectantly, which made the whole thing even more awkward. Trying to move things along, Mary Poppins asked the Penguin if he liked to sing, to which the Penguin responded, only when I'm drunk. Then she asked if he enjoy children, to which he replied, Yes, in a sweet wine sauce. The penguin then asked Mary Poppins how she kept people from looking up her skirt when she flew. She smiled politely, then turned to the man on her left and asked him how he was enjoying the lamb. The man on her left was wearing an elegant, aristocratic cape. Mary, a bit drunk on the sherry, noted that if he spread his cape out, he might be able to glide about like a bat. The man on her left chuckled and suggested that after dinner they head up to the roof and give it a try, which they did.
2: have reached the answering machine of Fred and Wilma Flintstone. Please leave us a message after the beep.
3: Hey, Fred. It's Barney. Fred, I don't... Um, listen, uh...
4: I don't know how to even tell you this, but, uh... driveway and um, I accidentally ran over Tino he's uh, he's dead Fred I'm really 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 sorry I... he was sleeping on our driveway behind the car
3: I just backed up over him I, I didn't see him or anything.
4: be leaving something like this on your answering machine <sighs> the thing is Betty and I have to get to the airport because we're supposed to make our flight to Rocopolco. I don't know what to do I almost canceled the trip but um, everything's booked and and Betty's been really really looking forward to it for so long honestly I, I don't I don't know what I don't know what to do I know you really love that dog. Listen, I put him in your hammock in the backyard, and I draped the blanket over him. He's kind of a mess, Fred. You probably don't want Wilmar Pebbles to see him like that. I just wish I was there to help you bury him. I'll try calling you as soon as the plane lands, Okay. This is Barney.
0: This is Betty.
4: Where We're the people? Rebels. but we can't find our cell phone.
2: I thought you had
4: it. I thought you had it.
2: Oh no! Better, Better just, just leave, leave a us message. a message. <laughs> uh, Hi Barney. It's um. It's Fred. I'm I. Uh, I'm just I. I don't know. I, I'm sad and stunned and. I don't know. Um. I guess you're still on the flight to Acapulco. Call me when you
4: land. This is Barney.
2: This is Betty. We're We're the
4: the Rebels. Rebels. But we can't find our cell phone.
2: I thought you had it.
4: I thought you had it.
2: Oh no. Better Better just just leave leave us a message. (laughs) Hi, it's Fred again. Uh, Still no word from you, and by my calculations, you should have landed by now. Unless you were, um, I don't know, delayed? Uh, did you have a layover in Holly Rock or something? I don't know. Maybe your phone's out of range. Um, it's, it's, you know, Try to give a call, okay? This is Barney.
4: This is
0: Betty.
4: We're the Rebels. But we can't find ourselves.
2: Hi, Barney. I don't know if you remember me. We were best friends, and then you killed my dinosaur. Let's see, when was that? Oh, yeah. This morning. I can tell you're broken up about it because you've tried to call me zero times. (coughs)
4: Fred, I just got off the plane this second, and I, I just got all your messages. Don't ask what we just went through. Anyway, the pterodactyl that flew us here broke a wing, and I pretty much thought that was it. Fred, I saw my whole life pass before my eyes, and, you know, there was, a, there was plenty of me and you in there. Do you, do you remember the time you hypnotized me into thinking I was a puppy? I, there's this, I could just go on and on. I feel just awful, but, but, you know, what the hell can I do? I mean, do you want me to slit hopper's throat? Would that make you feel better if I murdered my kid's kangaroo? I mean, not to minimize your pain or anything, but it is only a dinosaur. You realize that, right? I'm sorry. That was stupid. I'm, I'm sorry. Look, I'm, I'm just freaked out. Listen, would you get a chance to st- try me back on my cell? It seems to be working here. Okay, bye, pal.
2: God, Barney, I am so, so sorry. I had no idea you had plane trouble. Wow. Funny, while, while you were leaving me that message, I was actually on the other line with Raptor Air, and they had no record of wing problems on the Bedrock rock, pool car flight. But I mean, what do they know? They're just the airline, right? It's probably just a cover up, so there are no lawsuits. Man, you must have been so shaken up. And still, you managed to call me the minute you got off the plane. And got through customs. And rented a car. And drove to the resort. And checked in. (laughs) There are no accidents. I mean, think about that when you try to explain how a a pipsqueak could even get his foreign compact car to run all the way over a nearly full-grown dinosaur, let alone kill it. I mean, how many times did he have to back up over Dino? And no, I don't want you to murder your kid's kangaroo. If anything, that privilege should fall to me. So, I will just, I will just leave you with this one thought. Why don't you ask Betty why it took her so long for her and me to get those Bronco burger buns at the grocery store two Sundays ago? Go on, just ask her. Have fun.
4: Curtis made out with Wilma. You think I'm lying? Remember when we were visiting the set of Slave Boy and we heard her screaming in ecstasy from inside the trailer? And how after you asked her what was going on in there and she said she had accidentally sat on a porcupine quill? And she and Stony started laughing? What the hell do you think they were laughing about, you poor ignorant fat boob? And as far as your disgusting, disgusting insinuation about my wife, let me tell you something, Fred. Betty has never liked you. She's only ever tolerated you out of respect to me and out of love for Wilma. I'm the only friend you have, Fred. And I'd always tell people, Oh, Fred, he's all right. He doesn't mean all the mean things he says. That's his bluster. Underneath it all, he's got a really good heart. Bullcrap. I was a sucker, Fred.
2: It doesn't need Stony Curtis. Some wives are actually happy with their husbands. <sighs> Screams of ecstasy. You need to have your ears checked, buddy, because they must have been playing tricks on you. So, as a favor to you, for future reference, I'm going to give you an object lesson in what screaming and ecstasy sounds like, okay? Okay, I'm out of my door. I'm walking to your house. Are tonight. I'm getting the key to under the tortoise out front. Mm-hmm. Walking inside your house, opening the closet to get out your driving iron from your i
3: Fred, get the hell out of my house. You hear me, Fred? Pick it up, you sick SOB. Pick it up, you sick
4: Headed? A little. All right, sit, sit down for a sec. Uh-huh. Lean forward and keep your head down. <sighs> okay. Did you eat today? I can't remember. Maybe. Well, that's probably why you're dizzy. I think Betty left some food in the fridge. Okay. One sec. I don't know. What is this? Is this, uh...
2: This is lasagna looks like lasagna. What was this?
4: Oh yeah, that was good. Have some of that. All right. So um, did you eat today? Oh yeah, they've got um, they've got a really nice buffet here. Very nice fruit. That's good. It's
2: fresh, huh?
4: Oh, it's right off the tree. Nice. Yeah. Fred, I'm really sorry about Dino. I know you are. Um you
2: know I'm sorry about you know
4: what we're betting. Yeah, I um I, I have some stuff I need to deal with. It's kinda of why we were taking this trip.
2: Barney.
4: Barney are you crying? You wake up one day. And you're like a stranger to yourself, you know. I don't know who I am anymore. I can't be a husband to my wife. You know, I have a son who's, who's disturbingly aggressive.
2: Oh, no, no, fine. Betty Ben-Ben's okay.
4: No, he's, he's, he's not pretty He's awful. He's, he's just so violent. He breaks everything, you know? And, and I can't make Betty happy. You know, this morning I was standing in the ocean. And it was just a, it was just a really, really beautiful day. And, but all I could think As I was standing there in the ocean was just... Keep walking, Barney. Walk out to sea and never come back. No one will miss you.
2: Hey. Hey, don't talk about my little buddy that way. It would destroy Betty. It would destroy her. I would... I would miss you. You would? Of course I would. I would... I wouldn't know what to do with myself. I, you think I'm a rageaholic now.
4: I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Fred. I, I didn't mean that stuff before. No,
2: no it's okay. You're right. I, I'm a hot-headed blowhard
4: and a jerk. I don't know how anybody puts up with it. Hey, look, maybe it's because you're such a lovable SOB, you know? Yeah. Hey, while you're in the house, can you make sure I put out a dish of water for the Pelican trash can? Um,
2: yeah, it looks like you did.
4: I hate when you get home and you find them sucking at the pipes under the sink. It makes coming home so sad.
2: You ever get that thing where you come home after being away for a while and your own house smells all weird? Like, you can actually smell what it really smells like because you're not used to it anymore? Yeah, I know what
4: you mean. Listen, have a good time. Don't get all depressed. Listen, you don't get all depressed too, you know, with all this blowhard stuff. My best buddy isn't any blowhard, okay? Yeah, yeah. Listen, when I get home, things will get back to normal. You know, we'll sit down and we'll play hand-to-bridge with the girls, and it'll be like it always is. Yeah, sure, Bart. And I'll bring back some of that famous poco honeydew. And it'll be great.
2: Yeah, but I dabba do do.
0: they will never split us apart, right, Frit? Right, Bonnie. Ready, Frit? Ready, Bonnie. They'll never split us apart. They'll never break up. The team, they'll never bust up.
2: The act and not so bad.
0: Could we be closer if no sound? So let them try all. A vaudeville bill at the Hippodrome? Yeah, oh, that was a boring act.
2: <laughs> and whatever happened to him anyway? He left the business. Now he's in a housing project in Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make you laugh, home, home, home.
1: Josh, I'm walking down Robert Barassa Street and I run into Patrick Sussberger. Like you you remember like we were all so close and, and at first I felt sort of sheepish because I never called him back and we had lost touch over so many years. But then like it actually we got into a groove and it was quite nice and he was asking uh, about you and I thought, you know, and he thought maybe we can all get together and it just really brought back a lot of old times and uh, this is, anyway, so it's something. I and it made me realize that had we not run into each other on the street like that, it's possible that we both would have lived our entire lives without ever seeing each other again. And I ran into him, and it was great. And Sir, anyway. your
3: bell bill is one hundred and twelve dollars and seventy four cents. What the hell is that? Sure, I can't really make any adjustments to your bill on the phone. You're going to have to speak with my supervisor we we'll you be being by check or credit card. What kind of a response is that? You know, I'm
1: sharing something with you. Ah, come on. That's really annoying.
3: Look, I, you know, sorry, man. I know I, you know I was listening to what you were saying. I heard were you. you?
1: Were you? You know, I, I, I ran know, into Patrick. Weird. I thought I you'd have... Saying, an, you know, know really, think... that's, that's really annoying.
3: No, I can't remember... Look, I can't remember the last time I saw Patrick. That's pretty cool that you saw him. I mean, I, I, I totally hear where you're coming from with that whole mortality thing. I've been thinking a lot about that. Really? I, you know, I I I had a medical procedure done recently. You remember that, and it was it definitely got me thinking about you know my life and how short everything.
1: Yeah, well, be. it's 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 like yeah, I mean like things, your 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 perspective just changed. You know, like 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 a few weeks ago, I had a dentist appointment, and uh, as I was lying there in the dentist chair waiting for the dentist to come in, I started thinking to myself like, well, I go to the dentist once a year, you know, and I started thinking like, how many dentist visits, even some you know something that I don't even like, how many have I got left of them? You know,
3: sir, i I can adjust your bill down to a hundred dollars, but that's as far that's that's as low as I can go. I don't really have any are, more are you sick in the head? If you paid an in installments, I'm afraid that's it's not gonna work.
1: Everything's out. Everything's a joke with you. That come really, like no, seriously, at the expense of like sincerity and my feelings, you're just gonna you're just gonna keep on going for that stupid bell bill joke
3: do it's a funny joke it works for me it, it's a new it's 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 my bit and i like it and i'm practicing it out i'm, I'm trying i'm giving a few test runs and, and you know quite frankly i think it's working out pretty well
1: it, it's work you know it's it's basically like, what makes it different than like just telling someone to shut up
3: comedy look it up no
1: it no it's it's not funny okay it's just hurtful funny hurtful do you understand? How is it hurtful?
3: I'm not attacking you. Well, no, anything,
1: it's because right? I'm sharing something you with you. No, no, no. I'm rendering myself vulnerable. I mean, not, you know, not to make too big a deal out of it, but I'm sharing something of myself with you.
3: Now, here you I hear what you're saying. Look, I didn't mean anything. No, I don't it. think you do. I didn't mean anything by it. I, 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 you know, whatever. It was just the opportunity presented itself. I'm sorry if it offended you. Why don't I buy you a pony? that take the edge off
1: i never noticed this about you but you're you're you could be very sarcastic
3: you are don't even say hello you don't even you don't even acknowledge that i'm on the other end of the line it's like i'm a toilet and you, you're talking to me like i'm not even here so if you're going to talk to me like i'm not even here i'm going to make it like you know i'm somebody else entirely if you want to make it a business transaction that's fine
1: wait wait, wait a second so if i've got this right i somehow have hurt your feelings is that it
3: no i'm just saying
1: I I'm sorry I didn't realize that you know that I, that somehow I was taking you for granted. I I I are you being sincere?
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean well, yeah. is, is yeah. this
1: something that I do often? It's, I you it, know I was just excited. I you know I I wanted I was just anxious to share the news with you. That's all.
3: I mean it's you do it kind of more often than you think, and I I don't know. I just well, I, I don't I don't get. So you want me to apologize to you? I don't know. It wouldn't be. It would if I asked you. It wouldn't be sincere.
1: You have a problem with my sincerity? No, oh, for... Listen, I could... Uh, well, you know, truly, I, uh... I mean, I am sorry, you know. Sir I, I'm going
3: to have to cut in oh, here, sorry. and I, I really appreciate the sentiment, but there is the matter of the unresolved amount.
1: Honestly, I feel I feel like Charlie Brown.
3: Sir, I think we're, we're straying a bit from resolving the outstanding bill issue. Let's work on this together, so let's be proactive about this.
1: By all means.
3: Perhaps your, your bill's is quite high because of the excessively long conversations that you have. Maybe if you stripped away a bit of the emotionality and You then
1: see, you know what, if I can...
3: a self-obsession, perhaps your conversations might be a wee oh. bit shorter and your bill commensurately lower.
1: Just wait, wait, ha- sir, hang on. Okay. Sir,
3: just a suggestion.
1: That doesn't even make any sense. Local calls, it's a flat rate for local calls.
3: Oh, sir, oh, it... I think I've identified a problem area with the new area code switchover. There's been a change in uh, in billing areas. So what are uh, were once considered local calls are not necessarily billing
1: areas. What are you talking about? It doesn't make a difference if the area code doesn't affect this at all.
3: Sure, we do have an ombudsman that can receive complaints. Oh of please,
1: this I've tried that before. It doesn't work. I'm
3: sorry that you've had that experiences in the past, but I, I would
1: you, you know what I, I I would be complaining about this level of phone service. Do you know that really? You know how unsympathetic and, and sarcastic you've been you know an unhelpful and uncollaborative sir
3: i don't come into your place of employment and tell you how to do your job mm-hmm. i feel duty bound to remind you that i am a human being at the other end of this line well you certainly don't act like it i'm trying to give you the best service that i can and i do feel like this
1: is a classic big business not caring about the little guy you know that really uh, you know what no, no no you're a part of it you understand you're just a cog sir. in a bigger machine Do you ever think about that with sir, all that your sirs true, all you your sirs. have an
3: outstanding balance and as an adult you need to face up.
4: When you're down and trouble And you need
0: a helping hand And nothing, or oh, nothing's going right
2: Close your eyes and think of me
0: On Wiretap today, you and heard so Jonathan Goldstein as Barney Rubble Wendy Door as Betty Rubble, and David Rakoff as Fred Flintstone. You also heard Joshua Carpatti. Today's episode of Wiretap was written by David Rakoff and Jonathan Goldstein, and produced by Jonathan Goldstein, with Mira Bertwintonic, Wendy Door, and Carolyn Warren. Tune into Wiretap Sunday at 1, 4 Pacific Time, and Friday evening at 830 you can also hear Wiretap across North America on Sirius Satellite Radio 137. Reach us through our website at cbc.ca slash wiretap.
3: All you got to do is call, and I'll be there, yeah, 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 you've
4: got to. A-